Chapter Three of the Riders of the Silences by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Then came a voice that startled the two priests, for it seemed that a fourth man had entered the room. So changed was it from the musical voice of Pierre. Father Victor, the roan is a strong horse. May I take him? Pierre and the priest reached out his bony hands, but the boy did not seem to notice or to understand. It is a long journey, and I will need a strong horse. It must be eight hundred miles to that town. Pierre, what claim has he upon you? What debt have you to repay? And Pierre Le Rouge answered, He loved my mother. You are going? The boy asked in astonishment. Would you not have me go, father? And Jean-Paul Victor could not meet the sorrowful blue eyes. He bowed his head and answered, My child, I would have you go, but promise with your hand in mine that you will come back to me when your father is buried. The lean fingers caught the extended hand of Pierre and froze about it. But first I have a second duty in the Southland. A second? You taught me to shoot and to use a knife. Once you said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Father Victor, my father was killed by another man. Pierre, dear lad, swear to me here on this cross that you will not raise your hands against the murderer. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He must have an instrument for his wrath. He shall work through me in this. Pierre, you blaspheme. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It was a demon in me that quoted that in your hearing, and not myself. The horse, Father Victor, may I have the roan? Pierre, I command you. The light in the blue eyes was as cold and steady as that in the starved eyes of Jean-Paul Victor. Hush, he said calmly, for the sake of the love that I bear for you, do not command me. The stern priest dropped his head. He said at last, I have nothing, saving one great terrible treasure, which I see was predestined to you. It is the cross of Father Melan. You have worn it before. You shall wear it hereafter as your own. He took from his own neck a silver cross suspended by a slender silver chain, and the boy with startled eyes dropped to his knees and received the gift. It has brought good to all who possessed it, but for every good thing that it works for you, it will work evil on some other. Great is its blessing, and great is its burden, I alas know. But you also have heard of its history. Do you accept it, Pierre? Dear father, with all my heart. The colorless hands touched the dark red hair. God pardon the sins you shall commit. Pierre crushed the hand of Jean-Paul Victor against his lips and rushed from the room, while the tall priest, staring down at the fingers which had been kissed, pronounced, I have forged a thunderbolt, Father Gabriel. It is too great for my hand. Listen. And they heard clearly the sharp clang of a horse's hoofs on the hard-packed snow, loud at first, but fading rapidly away. The wind, increasing suddenly, shook the house furiously about them. It was a north wind, and it traveled south before the rider of the strong roan. 
Over a thousand miles of plain and hills it passed, and down into the cattle country of the mountain desert, which the Rockies hem on one side and the tall Sierras on the other. It was a trail to try even the endurance of Pierre and the strong roan, but the boy clung to it doggedly. On a trail that led down from the edge of the northern mountain, the roan crashed to the ground in a plunging fall, hitting heavily on his knees. He was dead before the boy had freed his feet from the stirrups. Pierre threw the saddle over his shoulder and walked eight miles to the nearest ranch house, where he spent practically the last cent of his money on another horse and drove on south once more. There was little hope in him as day after day slipped past. Only the ghost of a chance remained that Martin Ryder could fight away death for another fortnight. Yet Pierre had seen many a man from the mountain desert stave off the end through weeks and weeks of the bitterest suffering. His father must be a man of the same hard, durable metal, and upon that Pierre staked all his hopes. And always he carried the picture of the dying man alone with his two wolf-eyed sons who waited for his eyes to weaken. Whenever he thought of that, he touched his horse with the spurs and rode fiercely for a time. They were his flesh and blood, the man, and even the two wolf-eyed sons. So he came at last to a gap in the hills and looked down on Morgantown in the hollow, two score unpainted houses sprawling along a single street. The snow was everywhere white and pure, and the town was like a stain on the landscape with wisps of smoke rising and trailing across the hilltops. Down to the edge of the town he rode, left his cowpony standing with hanging head outside a saloon, strode through the swinging doors, and asked of the bartender the way to the house of Martin Ryder. The bartender stopped in his labor of rubbing down the surface of his bar and stared at the black serge robe of the stranger, with curiosity rather than criticism, for women, madmen, and clergymen have the right of way in the mountain desert. He said, Well, I'll be damned, asking your pardon. So old Mart Ryder has come down to this, eh? Huh? Partner, you're sure going to have a rough ride getting Mart to heaven. Better send a posse along with him, because some first-class angels are going to get considerable riled when they sight him coming. Ha <laughs> ha. Sure, I'll show you the way. Take the northwest road out of town. Go five miles till you see a broken-backed shack lying over to the right. That's Mart Ryder's place. Out to the broken-backed shack rode Pierre La Rouge, Pierre the Red, as everyone in the North Country knew him. His second horse, staunch cowpony that it was, stumbled on with sagging knees and hanging head. But Pierre rode upright, at ease, for his mind was untired. Broken-backed, indeed, was the house, before which he dismounted. The roof sagged from end to end, and the stovepipe chimney leaned at a drunken angle. Nature itself was withered beside that house. Before the door stood a great cottonwood, gashed and scarred by lightning, with the limbs almost entirely stripped away from one side. Under this broken monster Pierre stepped and through the door. Two growls, like the snarls of watchdogs, greeted him, 
and two tall, unshaven men barred his way. Behind them, from a bed in the corner, a feeble voice called, Who's there? In the name of God, said the boy gravely, for he saw a hollow-eyed specter staring toward him from the bed in the corner. Let me pass. I am his son. It was not that which made them give back, but a shrill, faint cry of triumph from the sick man toward which they turned. Pierre slipped past them and stood above Martin Ryder. He was wasted beyond belief. Only the monster hand showed what he had been. Son, he queried, with yearning and uncertainty. Pierre, your son. And he slipped to his knees beside the bed. The heavy hand fell upon his hair and stroked it. There ain't no ways of doubting it. It's red silk like the hair of Irene. Seeing you, boy, it ain't so hard to die. Look up. So, Pierre, my son, are you scared of me, boy? I'm not afraid. Not with them eyes, you ain't. Now that you're here, pay the coyotes and let them go off to gnaw the bones. He dragged out a small canvas bag from beneath the blankets and gestured toward the two lurkers in the corner. Take it and be damned to you. A dirty yellow hand seized the bag. There was a chortle of exultation, and the two scurried out of the room. Three weeks they've watched and waited for me to go, Pierre. Three weeks they've waited and sneaked up to my bed and sneaked away again, seeing my eyes open. Looking into their fierce, fevered brightness, Pierre understood why they had quailed, for the man, though wrecked beyond hope of living, was terrible still. The thick gray stubble on his face could not hide altogether the hard lines of his mouth and jaw, and on the wasted arm the hand was grotesquely huge. It was a horror that widened the eyes of Pierre as he looked at Martin Ryder. It was a grim happiness that made his lips almost smile. You've taken holy orders, lad? No. But the black dress. I'm only a novice. I've sworn no vows. And you don't hate me? You hold no grudges against me for the sake of your mother? Pierre took the heavy hand. Are you not my father? And my mother was happy with you. For her sake, I love you. The good father Victor, he sent you to me? I came of my own will. He would not have let me go. He, he would have kept my flesh and blood away from me? Do not reproach him. He would have kept me from a sin. Sin? By God, boy, no matter what I've done, is it a sin for my son to come to me? What sin? The sin of murder. Ha! Huh. I've come to find McGurk. End of chapter 3